The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to NFL Draft Coverage on BGN. The Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock, and it is officially draft day, starring Kevin Bacon. And to celebrate that fact, we have another edition of the BGN Draft Specials. This is episode four, and it's brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Today, our special guest is a wide receiver coach and analyst, so we're going to tap into his expertise and talk about this crop of wide receivers in the 2019 NFL Draft. As we've noted on this network a ton, the Eagles have shown heavy interest in these wideouts in the pre-draft process. And my chat with Brad Kelly of the Draft Network covers a wide array of these prospects. Follow Brad at BradKelly17 on Twitter. Also at thedraftnetwork.com is where you can find all of his excellent draft work. Quick note before we kick it to that. Yes, we will be dropping podcasts after the selections for the Eagles as soon as possible. We'll have some extra shows for you as well and then throughout the following week. So keep it here on Bleeding Green Nation for the best Eagles coverage on the planet. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave five stars, all that jazz. All right, we don't have a lot of time left until the big night. So let's take it to my chat with Brad Kelly about this wide receiver class. Brad, how you doing, brother? Haven't seen you in a couple months. How you been? I'm great. Thank you for having me on, Michael. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to talking about these wide receiver prospects. But before we do, pitch yourself, let the listeners know where you came from, where they can find you, where all your great work is at. Uh, all the work is at thedraftnetwork.com. You can follow that at Draft Network LLC on Twitter. My personal Twitter page is at BradKelly17, which is K-E-L-L-Y-1-7. Basically, all of our work is going to be complete. And we're doing the live draft show, NFL draft show. All three days of the NFL draft will be live at STK Steakhouse in Nashville. And you can follow that on the Twitter page. And it'll be posted to YouTube after each of the three days. So you can rewatch it there as well. I am really excited for the Draft Network live show. That's going to be awesome. I'm glad y'all got yourself a spot and are able to do that. It's good to see you guys you know, progress and take the next step in this whole thing. So draftnetwork.com, obvious place is where I go for a ton of my draft content. That's why I have you on here today. And you're their wide receiver specialist, basically. Can you explain for the listeners why you're their wide receiver specialist, your background a little bit? Everyone grows up playing receiver on the playground. And I always say that. So I, I feel like everyone has a background in the position in some sense, because if you weren't playing quarterback, you're playing receiver. But 
eventually when all those playground reps led to me playing it in high school, uh, you know, after we ran away from the wing tee when we were, you know, 13 years old. <laughs> I played Flexbone, man. I got the, the education <laughs> of Flexbone. <laughs> so eventually played receiver in high school. I played it in college as well, four years. Played some tight end too. And as soon as I got done playing, uh, I started coaching at the high school that I attended. Coached at high school for two years and now I coach in college. So I'm going on to my second year of coaching receivers in college. And then obviously, you know, scouting and, and developing and everything that goes that goes along with coaching. Uh, so it's kind of become a little bit of a niche of mine and, and, a, and a pretty big passion. And I guess I've become known for that position. I've parlayed that into being a, a relatively large voice on Twitter just for the receivers. Yeah, you've really blown up since uh, we were working together way back in the old breaking football minds, that's for sure. Yes, that was the good old days. Yeah, it's been good for both of us since then. So I'm glad to see your progress. Obviously, as we talk, you know, the listeners can tell you that you, you're going to know your stuff. There's a reason you're in with the list of experts that I brought in for these different draft specials. But let's get right into these rankings as we do here on these BGN draft specials. We're talking wide receivers, of course. We have the same top three players. Only two and three are switched for me. So I feel validated because I trust your eyes. So that's a good start. Our wide receiver one is DK Metcalf which is an opinion held by many and detested by some. I, <laughs> I think we both understand he is most definitely a projection. There's limitations we saw in his hard angle cuts that popped up in his three cone. There's the medical aspect that limited his production. There's also taking into account the 26 play playbook at Ole Miss that didn't ask mm -hmm. him to run a diverse route tree. So taking in all that context, you still have a very large human with very freakish speed. Defend our hill, Brad. Why is DK your wide receiver one? Well, obviously you touched on some of the things, just a, a big body, speed, explosiveness, everything that you want as far as an athlete goes. But I also think that he plays the, the position well in a lot of different aspects. One, I think he releases against press coverage extremely well. Mm. And it's not just because he's a he's the Hulk. It's because he has good feet. Yeah. And then you look at his ability at the catch point. He can create late separation with his hands, with his frame, with his body positioning. So it's not just the fact that he's a big, talented athlete. It's the fact that he actually has some receiver traits. And then you assume that he's going to project and develop into becoming a more well-rounded receiver. But even in year one, when you're talking about a guy who's 6'4 and 230 pounds and runs a 4'3 with a 48th vertical and can beat press coverage, you can't man him up in single coverage. You physically right. – I mean it takes two. It's gonna have, you're going to have to have a safety over the top. And then the rest of your offense is playing 10 on 9, which is a pretty big advantage on a football field in my opinion. So yeah. I, I think even in year one, even when he's not going to be that developed product, that finished product, you have a weapon and then you assume that with proper coaching and proper development that he's going to be I – th I think he's going to be a pro bowler for, for years to come. Yeah, you're really high on him. And it's interesting, me and Benjamin Solak were talking about the Eagles having interest in wide receiver and getting themselves a deep threat. And and so many times that conversation has been kind of molded around the interest in Marquise Brown because Peter King and Daniel Jeremiah have brought him up. But we were like at the end of the conversation, we were like, man, you want a deep threat? Why don't you go get the guy that's 6'4 that runs 4'3'3? That guy's still a deep threat just because he's really tall doesn't change anything. He's about 70 pounds heavier. Like, how do you how do you deal with that? So where do you think he goes? Where do you think he is realistic realistically selected where you think he can have the most impact year one in his NFL career? I think the answer to all that is Buffalo. Mm. Pick nine with the Bills. I think that they've addressed their position uh, in free agency, but both of the, their free agent pickups, John Brown and Cole Beasley, were are undersized guys. They're still and they have Robert Foster coming back and Zay Jones, but they're still missing a player who has good size. And if you want to pair a player with Josh Allen, it's DK, it's DK Metcalf. Big arm, Perfect. 
big receiver, not great accuracy, accuracy fixer. I think that would be the perfect landing spot, especially early on. I mean, just just chuck some deep balls up to them and, and see what they can do. Yeah, I think that's a great fit. Your number two wide receiver is Debo Samuel from South Carolina. He's my number three. I still love his game. It's very tight there. I, I want to start this conversation with a comp. And look, I don't typically do comps, but I know it's a necessary evil. There are some differences in their games, but I like the Debo Samuel to DJ Moore comp. I think you have a better one that's likely far less lazy. You comped him to Jericho Cotri, who had a really solid four-year stretch when he was yes. productive for the Jets. And then a few years later, had a 10-touchdown season for the Steelers. Tell me about Debo and what made you think of that correlation. I think Debo, is, as a player, he's an intriguing route runner. He, I think he's well-rounded. He's an intriguing route runner. He's a great ball carrier. He plays with multiple alignments. They involved him a lot in jet sweeps. They involved him a lot in all levels of the field. They involved him a lot in special teams. I always go back to his junior year. He only played in three games before he had a season-ending injury. He had 15 receptions. This is going off the top of my head. He had 15 receptions. He had, <laughs> he had two rushes, and he had two kick returns. Mm. So he touched the ball 19 times. He had six touchdowns. That's absurd. Yes, it's very absurd. So he's just that special type of explosive player. You know, He's not only a, a gadget type of guy because he, he is a good well-rounded route runner. And he can win in all levels. He has a great build. I think he has very solid athleticism. So I think he's going to be like a very high-end wide receiver, too, in the NFL for the next 10 years. And I think that's kind of what Kotri was, especially at his peak. Similar size, strength aspects, and then also similar with the ball in his hands. Kotri could move back in his prime. And I think that yeah. I think that when you got the ball in his hands, especially in the intermediate, and, and when he was able to really accelerate through through the catch point, he was, he was special. And I think that's what we're going to see at a Debo. So he's got that inside-outside versatility that I really like. And, you know, in Mobile, we got to see him. His red zone reps were awesome. Yes. He, he really worked well in condensed space. There, there's one question I have about him because in previous years, you know, before the injury, he was a little bit lighter and I felt he was a little more explosive. Now he's added, what, six or eight pounds or something like that to his frame since then. And he seems like he's got that body armor that I like, but I think it's either the injuries or the weight. He's just a tad less explosive. He's Not that he's not explosive, but he's just a tad less. Would you trim him down, play him in the slot, or would you keep him at that weight, play him outside, and then also bring him inside for certain situations? Like, How do you project him? How, what, what would you do with Debo? You touched on it. He, he weighed in at the Senior Bowl and at the combat at 214. I think putting getting him down to like 210 is probably the the most the ideal weight. And you could tell yeah. at Senior Bowl, he was a little thick in the midsection, whereas like you, you would expect him to be a little bit more chiseled. I think a little bit of a weight loss would be better. And I don't know if that – he had rare explosiveness when he was a freshman. Yeah. And I don't think that's ever going to come back. And that's not necessarily a knock on it because he still ran 4.48. You know, yeah. it's, like, it's, not, it's like even if he's not as explosive, he's still fast. Yeah. But me, even if that, that, ne that never comes back, I think he's just – I think he's going to be a versatile guy. I would use him in multiple roles, you know, especially on motions and all that type of stuff because he can stretch a defense horizontally too. But I think, yeah – Getting him down maybe about four to five pounds would probably be best. I would agree with that. Let's go to wide receiver three, Kelvin Harmon. He had the uh, kind of combine that I kind of expected from him. He didn't really shift on my board since then. I feel like I know what he is both athletically and physically. I'm comfortable with it. I see a path to success as an X receiver tethered to the line that can win versus press and with his technique and with his play strength to create windows at the catch point. I think we see him very similarly. Are these the main points where you like uh, Kel Kelvin as an easy projection to the NFL? Well, you said one thing that really, really sticks with me, and it's creating windows. Yeah, I try to explain this to a lot of different people, and there are guys who are elite separators. You look at last year, guys like Dante Pettis and... Calvin Ridley and Deshaun Hamilton, they were separators. 
a guy like Kelvin Harmon and a lot of bigger receivers in the league aren't necessarily guys who are separating, but they're guys who are winning by creating windows. So mm-hmm. when you're a bigger receiver, you don't have that, that short area quickness, but you can still run routes with good technique, proper technique. You can use your hands, your upper body, and you're creating windows for the quarterback. That's equally as valuable because you have that size and you have that catch radius to go with it. And that's what I see at Kelvin Harmon. He's not going to separate, get three, four yards of separation every play, but he will have a window and you add in his size. You saw it with Ryan Finley. Ryan Finley, despite his faults, is an accurate <laughs> is an accurate thrower. And yeah. they had chemistry, and it was because he could create windows on every single play. I agree. I think he's an X receiver, potentially wide receiver one, but a guy who will, will be able to win right after the line of scrimmage and, and will be a very good NFL player for a very long time. Yeah, I think he's just going to be a solid guy that gives you consistent production that's going to win in the air and do the little things right. Let's go to a, a polarizing prospect, your wide receiver four. The, the opinions on him are all over the place. You're higher on him than I am. You're projecting him as a big slot. He's an Eagles official visit. He is A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss. So the other Ole Miss wide receiver that a lot of people love. Some people say he might even go into the first round. As a big slot, let's let's contextualize this. He's six foot and he's 226 pounds. So that, that's definitely a big MFN slot. So <laughs> would you not put him outside? And is that because of some of the inexperience and development needed against press? Because he did struggle against press a little bit when DK was out and he had to move outside. Or do you just flat out like him better in the slot and think he fits there right away? So when it comes to AJ Brown, I think NFL teams are going to value him in the slot. I think an NFL team is going to see him in that Golden Tate, Quincy, and Noonwell role and just put him there about 70% of snaps, and he's going to be productive in it. Personally, if I had, if I got my hands on A.J. Brown, I want him to play out along the boundary. It's a longer-term plan. Exactly. But I feel like if you develop him against press, I mean, his vertical cuts are really nice. He has issues with the hard angle cuts that he's going to have to see more in the slot. I want him outside. I just kind of have to teach him how to beat press. But it's just the inexperience, right? That's basically just the only thing that I think is wrong with his game along the boundary. You even look at his yards after the catch on the outside. The game right. against Vanderbilt, it was ridiculous. It's like he's a lot better. He's going to break a lot. You're 226 pounds. You're going to break a lot more tackles against corners than linebackers. I don't know if I'm breaking news right now, but that's just kind of like it's gonna, what's going to happen. And he was so much better after the catch on the outside. And like you said, if, if it's a long-term plan, if it's a committing a year to it, I think you're getting a higher ceiling prospect. Yeah. And that's something that I, I would do personally. And here's the thing about coaching receivers in college as well. You look at DK Metcalf and Demarcus Lodge, and they both could really dominate the contact window. They're not getting touched. I feel like A.J. Brown likely had the same coaching Probably has some of those traits somewhere, and at least the coaching aspect is already instilled in his head. So it's probably an easier projection, probably easier development than a typical guy who's just mostly played in the slot his whole career. I don't know yeah. if that's true or not. That's just kind of my assumption. But I think he's a round two prospect because I don't know what how an NFL team is going to value him. But I think his ceiling does get raised if you move him out on the boundary. I 100% agree. And you mentioned the Vanderbilt game. He was up against uh, Joan Williams, who likes to press. And I, I remember there was one rep where he had an outside release. He was able to clear the hand twice once in the beginning through the route stem once at the end to create a window showed some really good body control on a catch good sideline awareness so the reps are there they're just not as consistent as you would like them but again it's understandable and and, and i agree with you i think there is a higher ceiling for him outside it's just going to take a little bit more patience fit might be really important for his long-term success in the nfl as it is with a lot of these guys but when there's that inexperienced part it's even more important and when we come back we're going to dig into some more tall tree prospects that could literally go anywhere in the draft and it wouldn't surprise me that's up next here on bleeding green nation with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk about two guys that a lot of people have even more wild opinions on. There's the dynasty darling, Nikhil Harry (laughs) from Arizona State. Uh, They love his dominator rating and his breakout age and and all that stuff. But I have serious concerns about him. And I mean, me me and Ben talked about him on the overrated, underrated show, and he was not on the underrated side. There's also Hakeem Butler, just another big body. And people made a big deal out of DK Metcalf's three cone. Well, Butler didn't even try one because he knew how he's, how that was going to go. So let's talk about these two tall guys and why you might be a little bit higher on them, but where you can see a path to success for them. I watched these two guys at the same day. And I want, I specifically did that for a reason. A few other, the bigger receivers, because I want to see how they compared to each other while I was, you know, in the same mindset, in the same mood and all that type of stuff. I prefer Nikhil Harry, and I think it's just because he's a little bit more well-rounded. He's a little bit more polished at the moment. I don't necessarily think Hakeem Butler's athletic upside is a slam dunk. So to start to start with Nikhil Harry, I think there's separation issues. I think there's play speed issues. But I yep. think his athleticism is there, his size, his speed, his strength. That's all there. I don't think he's stiff. I think that I think the potential's there. It's just I don't know if he's ever going to be that separator, and he's not as – consistent at his press releases he's not as consistent as creating windows as a guy like a kelvin Harmon. now what he can do well is run after the catch you got heavily involved in the screen game even when he was catching the ball in the intermediate he was good at transitioning into a ball carrier and, and picking up yards after the catch he took a decent amount of reps in the slot i think it was somewhere around in the 30 percent, 25 percent, somewhere around there 32 percent. yep i think that's going to be a better projection for him moving forward maybe splitting time uh inside and outside i compared him to eric decker a lot hmm. of people say des bryant I think it's going to be a little bit closer to Decker as far as a guy who knows how to find space in the red zone, finish in the red zone, use his size, use his, use his uh, athleticism and his length uh, to win when he is contested and a guy who can play inside and outside. And people forget, I mean, Decker had like a 4,000-yard, like 35 touchdown four-year stretch at one point good. in time. He was good. <laughs> so I think, that's a, I think that's a safe projection. I, th- I have Harry Fifth and Butler as sixth in my, in my rankings. I think the difference saying that little bit of polish, but I think really when it comes to Butler is you see the high point potential and that like contested catch and that's all there. The potential's there, just super inconsistent. His tracking, his ball skills, a lot of drops. His hand placements could be fixed, but I don't know if it's definitely going to be early on in his career and it might plague him a little bit. Uh, so that's why I just I preferred Harry's game to him a little just a, a little bit one one spot in the rankings. Let's go to a different type of receiver. Let's go to a guy that you project as a Z and I would I would agree with that as well terry mclaurin from ohio state is a guy that i really like i think we have him ranked pretty similarly i also have a second round grade on him you comped him to nate burleson we saw him in mobile at the senior bowl i was really really impressed uh there's some interesting context there i mean him against paris campbell how could you do that you suck at this why do you get paid to do this (laughs) brad would you you want to explain why you have mclaurin in this spot especially over paris campbell let's have a dialogue this stretch next stretch of of players in my rankings are like is the my guy is the my guy segment right <laughs> mclaurin is is my guy in the class uh you know he's, like you said stand out at the senior ball but did it with his route running yeah at ohio state he was 
first of all, his yards per reception was like 20 yards per reception. His yards per target was ridiculous. It was like 14. This is a guy who was a dynamic vertical threat and great after the catch. Whenever he caught a ball in space, he was able to like slice between two defenders and pick up a ton of yards after the catch. But you never necessarily saw uh, a lot of intermediate routes where he was catching the ball, a lot of intermediate production. And I think at the Senior Bowl, he alleviated all those concerns with his route running, beating press, um, separating deep, separating in, in the intermediate. He could pretty much do it all. Obviously, a great athlete, ran a 4.3, just a natural all-around ability. And, and and I think this is where you're getting into the guys who are separators. On top of that, as, as far as route running goes, and then on top of that, he's one of the best special teams players in the class, which is always plus four down players. So I, this is one this is one of those guys that I would take in the second round and never look back. So you talk about your, your my guys and having your my guys, and Miko Hardman is definitely one of my guys because he's just – a blazer that is just right now a mold of clay. You can turn him into whatever you want, and you're going to get some return ability as well. So he's going to be able to stick that way and be productive that way on a roster. The guy is crazy athletic. I don't know if you saw the the drills that they were doing at the pro day with all the Georgia wide receivers. Yeah. And he's just on another level with his quickness and his burst and his explosion. It's really, really special. But some development needed. Now, I'm going to put this in contrast with another guy because a guy that you have ranked low, and I'm pretty low on him and have received a ton of crap about this. I can only imagine what you're hearing about this. <laughs> you're, I think you know where I'm going with Yes, it. I do. Your 15th ranked wide receiver is Marquise Brown from Oklahoma. So you have Mikko Hardman probably about a full round higher than Marquise Brown, who a lot of people, again, are linking to the Eagles at 25. Why are you taking the swing on Mikko Hardman, if if I can put words in your mouth and tell me if I'm wrong? Why are you taking the swing on Mikko Hardman before you're taking it on Marquise Brown with such similar profiles? Oh, I definitely am taking that swing. And the evidence being, I wrote an article titled Mikko Hardman, No Matter What. Similarly sized, but Hardman has the weight on him. He's about 20 pounds heavier. Here's the thing that I like about Mikko Hardman, and you and you touched upon it, the, the ball of clay. You can build him into whatever you want him to be. When he was a freshman at Georgia, the coaches wanted him to play corner, and he said, no, I'm playing I'm playing receiver. And they so his development is a little bit behind, but it's also the fact that he knows what he wants to be, and I think he's, I think he's showed a lot of progression in that time. Just an absolute dynamic threat down the field. Saw him against Tony Brown. Tony Brown from Alabama was a, a rookie this past season. Yeah. He ran a 4.3 40-yard dash. He was 14th in the country in the 100-meter. The national championship game last year, Miko Harmon went by him like he was in sand. It was <laughs> insane. So this is, And then you look at him with the ball in his hands, and he's probably even more dynamic than Marquise Brown. Definitely better vision behind the line of scrimmage, whether that be in the jet game or in the screen game, and just as much burst and juice to get the edge. He's also a valuable returner and special teams versatility on top of that. When it comes to comparing him to Marquise Brown, I think he has similar burst, similar speed, but then he has the strength. Uh, he has a little bit more length to him, and he has a little bit more of a well-rounded game. Brown, I th- he struggles with drops. He struggles with contested yeah. catches. He's very light. He doesn't have much length. While he is dynamic down the field and he is a great ball carrier in his own right, I just think Hardman is a little bit more polished. Would you agree with me, and I wrote this up for BleedingGreenNation.com, because I have the same concerns with Brown that you have. I really, I'm really concerned at the fact that in the contact window and then at, especially at the catch point, I'm not so worried about him releasing from press as much, just being around contact in tighter windows in the NFL, the 15 drops in the last two seasons, the 8.5% drop rate last year, which ranked 109th. I'm severely concerned about that and the play weight. I don't think he's going to get much bigger, but if the Eagles do select him, the role that I see him in 
is as a slot ride receiver. And I'll throw some stats out you. The the people that listen to this feed know these stats by heart by now. But 85 snaps from the slot, only 23%, which is low. But Oklahoma runs, I think, 21 personnel as their base. So there's mm-hmm. some context needed there. He's got over 40% of his yards come from the slot. Eight of his 10 touchdowns come from the slot. 7.45 bonkers yards per route run from the slot. If the Eagles draft him, I think the plan is to move on from Nelson Aguilar and put Marquise Brown in the slot. Do you feel better about his projection there? Also, how do you defend both Marquise Brown and Deshaun Jackson on the field at the same time? Uh, defending them, I would not like to do that, but <laughs> the thing the thing is about that, I agree that his projection is, is a little bit more favorable in the slot, and the reason being the free release. And you mentioned that he's not bad against press releases. Uh, he's actually outstanding laterally. His yeah. lateral movements are great. But like you said, he deals with contact a little bit less. What I like about him in the slot is, one, he's detached from the line of scrimmage, but two, you can use him in motion a little bit more, and you can pretty yeah. much guarantee, for the most part, maybe stacked alignments as well, bunched alignments. He's going to get that free release. He's going to be able to accelerate uh, into most of his routes, and that's when he gets very dangerous. Whereas you put him on the outside and you put him on the line of scrimmage, even if he can move laterally, there's going to be a little bit more contact. He's probably going to be going against better athletes, longer athletes for sure, and those tighter windows will happen. So I do like his projection a little more if we're talking about a full-time slot guy. That makes sense. I'm glad you agree there because that's my whole theory, man. I'm working on why the Eagles are making all of these wide receiver visits, and I'm going to go one more guy, and then I'm going to go with a guy that you can pick for an underrated guy nobody's really talking about. But I want to hit on another Eagles official visit that we I don't think we've given proper due to uh, on these pre-draft shows. His name is Jalen Hurd, the wide receiver from Baylor, former running back at Tennessee before bouncing around. Interesting guy and got a lot of his production from the slot. I think it was something like 96% of his yards, 93% of his alignments came from the slot. What did you think about him? I haven't done a full eval on him, so I'm leaning on you to tell me how I should feel about Jalen Hurd in day three. Right away, Jalen Hurd's uh, transitioned to wide receiver at Baylor. In the first game, I think they played Abilene Christian, which is an FCS school, but you could tell his ball skills were already refined. They're already there. What And immediately you think, oh, this guy's 6'5 and 228 pounds and has good ball skills. Yeah, we could probably use him, especially when it was week one. And I think during the season, he showed that he is a natural pass catcher, uh, whether that be extending away from his body, proper hand placement, knowing when to flip his hands, uh, how he transitions into a ball carry. It's all there. Uh, and then you talk about a player who you know, in his career has been very versatile. Even in this past season at Baylor, he was still lining up at running back, taking outside zone reps, sweep reps, uh, catching screen passes, playing a lot in the slot, doing a lot of it down the field, doing a pretty good production in the red zone as well when he was targeted. Obviously, he's going to get a lot of a lot of raw aspects to his game. I think the shiftiness he has is is there. It's in his hips. It, you can unlock it, but it's just not there on every on every rep. There's obviously some technique issues, even in in his wide receiver stance and start. You see some technique issues where he has to drop, mm. he has to load his legs and drop his pads before he gets going. So he is a little bit of a projection, but I do like his ceiling. And if you use him properly, he reminds me of Cordero Patterson as far as his athletic profile goes, and mm. how the Patriots use him this past season. If you use him as uh-huh. a jet sweep guy, you can use him outside. You can use him in the slot, kick returner. You can use him at running back. You use him in all these different roles, he's going to be a productive and healthy player for your offense. It's just a matter of 
I don't know if his development strictly as a wide receiver is ever going to come to fruition. Right. Yeah, it's going to take him a while to get there. He's pretty green at the position, but he's showing some promising things. And he's definitely a better wide receiver already than he was at running back. I was not a big fan of him at running back, and I don't know why he was stealing carries from Alvin Kamara. But that's another story. Was that Butch Davis? I don't know. One of those One of those guys, those SEC coaches that got fired. So with good reason. So let's talk about one guy. I'll, I'll let you pick him. Maybe a day three guy that you love that not many people are talking about that you could even possibly maybe i'll throw in a little caveat there for you that could possibly sneak his way into like the back of round three who is your guy well there's a few guys that come to mind uh i i do want to talk about one and i think you're a fan as well darius slayton from Auburn. yeah he can burn baby he can burn and he is a a track star in high school as well and he i believe he he did run in the four threes high four threes uh, at, at the combine probably a an early day three player, but I have seen him ranked around that 100 spot, which suggests that he could sneak into that that back end of the sec- uh, day two. Hmm. Some inside outside stuff. He was so good down the field at separating, and Jared yeah. Sidham missed so many passes. It was it was infuriating. <laughs> However, I do think uh, Slayton is a good route runner as well. I actually, we went back and forth. I did a piece for the Draft Network on on some of his best route running reps and what was going through his mind. You could tell that he is a thinker. Uh, out on the field, even the small subtleties as far as where the linebacker's alignment was pre-snap and how he changed his route based on where the linebacker was, which is something that I think is very advanced for a player his age and even for college players. And despite the fact that Auburn was a little bit limited and what they asked him, it was either pretty much go or, or screen pass, that he is going to project as a better route runner at the next level. He has that size where he's a little bit skinny, like 6'1", 190, I yeah. believe he checked in at. But I think that also bodes well for his speed that he could play some, do a lot of things in the slot as well and stretch the field for you. So he's a guy who I think is going to be a little bit, a good, nice little versatile piece and complimentary player at the next level. I expected when I put on his film to just strictly see a burner, you know, like one speed, go down the field, so on and so forth. But you mentioned, you know, him working down the vertical plane and everything and, and some of the nuance that he showed in his route. He was more advanced than I thought he would be from where people were talking about him. So I was definitely impressed by him. Brad, any other wide receivers you want to talk up before we get out of here? Or should we just, uh, should we kick rocks? What's going on here? What are we doing? I'm going to name one more guy. Yeah, do it. Mine is about right. Justin Christian from Marist. Marist is an upstate New York. He's an FCS school. It's actually a non-scholarship school. Can you spell that? Christian or Marist? Marist. (laughs) (laughs) M-A-R-I-S-T. High school quarterback played there. My high school quarterback. Anyway, Justin Christian about six foot 190, a little bit skinny, but he is very cut. I think he has awesome feet and he's so good vertically. T- kind of the same thing we're talking about, but his vertical thing isn't, you know, he runs a four three like Darius Slayton does. His is like a four five, but he has a lot of nuance in how, how he's able to run routes. And I watched, I think six or seven of his games. He's very, also very smart. He posted all of his game film on, on uh, YouTube, literally from the coaches film, both angles. <laughs> nice. I was like, this, this is a genius. Yeah. Why, nice why doesn't everyone do this? But anyway, you see a lot of good feet in his route running and just a guy who I think is going to be an undrafted free agent, a relative unknown, but I think he'll, I think he'll stick in the NFL because he has that good feet. He has some potential vertically and he has a lot of production in college as well. That's interesting. And that's very smart of him. I remember going through Justin Watson film last year for the 2018 uh, inside the pylon draft guide and i literally had to find like home held like family <laughs> footage with like a quad box wipe every other play just to like get some reps from shot in the stands and everything like it's it's absurd so but yeah kids college students you're trying to get in the nfl you know you're vincent smith playing at this small college put your freaking film on youtube so we have better access to it that's that's a good idea brad 
Let the gentle listeners know one more time where they can find you and all of your work. The Twitter page is at Brad Kelly 17 and then at the draft network or at draft network LSC on Twitter and the draft, net, the draft network.com. And then please tune into the live show. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have uh, NFL player interviews. We're going to have insider interviews. Benjamin Albright uh, has already agreed to come on the show. You know, we're going to have uh, musical guests, pop culture references and giveaways. And it's going to be crazy. Uh, and then obviously you get all of the you know access to the evaluators of of the draft network and some of the I think some of the best football minds that I've ever met even you know Ben Solak who obviously you're very aligned with but even Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino and Trevor and all, all the guys who just are so knowledgeable about the game and, you know sometimes I'm in awe and I'm in shock at what they're talking about so it'll be a learning experience for for everyone and hopefully for the listeners as well. I really appreciate the insight, man. Thanks for joining us, brother. Of course.